0: We're turning your Bibles to Daniel chapter three, we're continuing, of course, our study of the book of Daniel, and we're seeing Daniel and his friends. They've been taken off into captivity. If you remember, the nation of Israel turned away from God, and God allowed the Babylonians and a, and a, a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar they came in and they took them off into captivity about 600 years before Jesus was born. And we are seeing the story of God. Uh, there were several young men, Daniel and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were were basically picked out because of their background, and they were raised up to be in places of leadership in the Babylonian empire. And we saw an amazing thing. Nebuchadnezzar put this statue up and wanted everybody to bow down to it. And we saw last week what happened. We'll get a little review and put it together. Now, the book of Daniel has so much to offer us. Now, there's two key things I think we can get from the book. And the first is the whole idea of prophecy. The book is filled with information concerning end-time events. There are dreams and visions showing the parade of nations, giving us a backbone of of prophecy. And so we saw a little bit in Daniel chapter 2. We're going to see it in chapter 4 and a little bit in chapter 5 and especially in chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9. It's going to all tie together, so we'll see some great things there. This is good for us because it helps us that we can understand how these events unfold and fit together. But there's a second thing. The second thing is we see character. We see the character and the lifestyle of Daniel and his friends as they seek to live for God in a fallen world, how they lived in a godless culture. And this is good for us because we can see how we can live for our God and Savior Jesus Christ in our fallen world. And culture, and most people would say, well, you know, it seems like it's getting worse every day. It is. It is. It's a fallen world, a fallen culture. How are we supposed to live? How are we supposed to make an impact? How are we going to live in this? Well, this morning, we're going to see a fe- continue to see this famous event. It's the three men thrown in the fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar made the statue, said everybody's got to bow down. Uh, three men didn't bow down. He brought them up and said, I'll give you a second chance. All you have to do is when you hear the music, bow down. If you remember... This is where we ended last week. What did they do? What did they say? Would they bow down? We'll see it as we go through. Sometimes things seem too good to be true. You ever thought about that? Sometimes you say, that's just too good to be true. I was uh, watching some football and and this commercial came on. And I think it's on December 22nd. Publishers, you know, Clearinghouse is going to come to somebody and give them like $2.7 million. And then they're going to give them $5,000 a week for the rest of their lives, and, and they show pictures of people, you know, being told they won, and, you know, they like to pass out. They're going, oh, no, this can't be true. And sometimes we think of things that is just too good to be true. When we look at this passage this morning, and you see three men thrown in a fiery furnace, and what happens? Sometimes we say, well, gosh, that seems too good to be true. That, I mean, they, you know, God does something beyond what we could have ever asked or imagined. And the truth in our life is that God does do things beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. Think about salvation. The fact that those of us in this room who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. And we will be with Jesus Christ forever. Now, that's almost too good to be true. When you think about the fact that we came into this world, we were dead in trespasses and sins. All like sheep have gone astray, each one own way. There's none righteous, no, not one. We're not trying to please God. We're not, we're not good. We can never be good. In fact, our, our goodness is filthy rags. And yet God sent his son to die in our place The holy God left the glories of heaven to become a human being so he could die in our place to pay for our sins and rise again to conquer death and give as a gift eternal life. We don't earn it. We don't work for it. We don't do... It's a gift. And we could say, wow, that's like too good to be true. And the truth is, that there's some people who think it is too good to be true and they'll say, well, that's too easy because we'll say, in order to have eternal life, you trust in Christ, you trust in him for eternal life and you're saved and saved forever. And they say, that's too easy. You got to do more than that because somehow it just seems too good to be true. But that's how God deals with us. It's called grace. Nothing is too big for our God. Well, this morning, I want to remind you that after Nebuchadnezzar had this dream about a big metal man, And and on the metal man, he was the head of gold. He made his own metal image. He made the image. In fact, it was 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. And he placed it out in a plane. And this is the best we can tell. This is sort of what it looked like. It looked like a big, long pencil, basically. We think it was in the shape of a person because the word for image, when it said he made this statue in an image, usually that word is used for a person. So it looks like he made this big, tall statue of himself. And what he said is he wanted people to come, and he, he, came, he said we wanted to come for the dedication. But when they all got there for the dedication of this, he said, when you hear the sound of the music, you're all to bow down and worship this statue, because the statue was representing him. And he was basically saying, I'm going to be worshipped. Well, you've got to remember that there are at least three guys there, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who are the Jewish guys that hold to the Word of God. And we know from Exodus 20 that they're not to have a graven image. And so they're not going to bow down. And so when the music plays and everybody bows down, there are going to be three guys standing up like this. Now, here's the question before we get back into everything. Where is Daniel? I mean, this book is called Daniel. And Daniel's in chapter 1 and Daniel's in chapter 2 and Daniel's in chapter 4 and chapter 5 and chapter 6 and chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10. He's in every chapter except this chapter. And it's got his name on it. So why isn't he in this chapter? And so we thought about it and we said, wait a minute. Where was Daniel? Daniel. Is he not there? Could it be that he was not there, that maybe he was gone, that, that Nebuchadnezzar had sent him on some kind of duty, or maybe he was sick and he didn't show up, or was he there? And we know that he would never bow down. Maybe he was too important to be charged. I mean, you know, to, to, maybe he was so important that when these people made charges against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, since Daniel was so famous because of what happened in Daniel chapter 2, maybe they said, let's leave him alone or let's get these other three guys. We don't know. All we know is Daniel is never mentioned in chapter 3. Now, there's a decision to be made. The music's going to play, and they're going to have to bow down, or they're going to either not bow down or bow down. And if they don't bow down, he's already said that if anybody doesn't bow down, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to fact. I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. They have a decision to make. Well, let me just say something to you. They didn't make this decision that day. They didn't say... Gee, are we supposed to bow down to a statue or not? I don't know. What do you think? No. They knew a long time ago. They'd made decisions a long time ago that there was only one God and there's only one God they worship and they would never bow down to a statue. And so they didn't have to make that decision that day. And let me tell you something. We don't decide how we will live and what we will stand for at the moment of decision. We decide long before. You have to decide long before you get to those opportunities and those responses, those times, what you're going to do. If somebody comes to you and you you're, you've decided you're not going to drink, and somebody comes to you and says you want to drink, you don't have to go. Gee, I don't know. Should I? You've already decided, and we have to decide as men and women of God: are, are we going to live by the Bible or are we going to live by the culture? And you decide before the opportunities come. You don't wait till the opportunities come. You decide now what you're going to do. Well, the music played. They didn't bow down. And they were accused. And they brought them before Nebuchadnezzar. And look at verse 14 of Daniel chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, Is this true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I've set up? Listen, I'm going to give you a second chance. Now, if you're ready... At the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the tragedy, the psaltery, the, the, the bagpipe, and all kinds of music, fall down and worship the image that I've made. Well, that's good. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast in the midst of a furnace, a blazing fire. And what God? Now, this is the key. What God is there out there who can deliver you out of my hands? What God? Now, so he's challenging them, and he said, look, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I really like you. You've been really good workers for me, so I'm going to give you a second chance. We're going to play the music again. Bow down. If you don't bow down, I'm going to kill you because no God can deliver from me because, see, I'm the big statue. I'm God. I'm the top of the line. Now, what would you do? If you thought about this, what would you do if somebody came up to you and put a gun to your head and said, right now, I want you to say that you do not believe in Christ? If you say you believe in Christ, I'll kill you right now. If you say I don't believe in Christ, I'll let you live. What would you do? That's what they're faced with. Because if they say we're not going to bow down, they know they're going to die. Because that's the plan—to throw them in the fiery furnace. What would you do? You know, you you could you could you could rationalize. We could say well, they could say this: We're not worshiping. We're bowing down, but see inside, we're not worshiping. It may look like we're worshiping, but we're not. Or they could say, well, you know, he is the king, and the Bible says to obey the king and the government, so if he said bow down, we'll bow down. Or they could say nobody will know because everybody else is going to be bowing down, so who's going to be looking around? Obviously, some people did look around. Or they could say, well, look, don't we want to stay alive so we can witness these people? See, we can rationalize anything. Many times we have decisions to make. Are we going to rationalize and know that we do something that we know is contrary to the Bible because we try to rationalize a way not to to have to obey the Scripture? Well, we saw their answers, and they didn't beat around the bush at all. It says, first of all, in verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. What that means is we don't have to give an answer. We've already given you an answer. We don't have to get back in a group and decide what we're going to do. We've already decided what we're going to do. The second thing is God can deliver. It's up to him if he chooses. They says, if it be so, our God, this is verse seventeen, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the blazing and fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand. If he chooses to, he can do it. However, verse eighteen, even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we're not gonna serve your gods or worship the golden image you've set up. We're not gonna do it. We've already made the decision. We're not going to go contrary to the Bible. You have choices every day in our culture that people are trying to pull you away from the truths of the Scripture. And you're going to have to make choices, and you have to decide before the time ever comes. And these guys said, we're not bowing down, even if it means our lives. Now, up to this point, I want you to think about Nebuchadnezzar because I tell you he was a brilliant man he was a brilliant man and a great leader and God raised him up but what does he know about God? the only thing he knows about God at this point is that the God of Daniel and the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego is a God who reveals things because he had that dream and Daniel came in and said the God of heaven has made known the dream and the interpretation so all he knows about the God of Israel the true God is that he's a revealing God He's fixing to find out some more things. Let me give you the outline of what we're looking at. Nebuchadnezzar's reaction in 19 through 23, then God's deliverance in 24 through 27, and then Nebuchadnezzar's response in 28 through 30. That's what we're going to see this morning as we finish our passage. So first of all, here's Nebuchadnezzar's reaction. And you can guess what Nebuchadnezzar is like. If you remember when he had the dream... Back in chapter 2, and he called in the wise men, and he said, I want you to tell me the dream and the interpretation. And they all said, you tell us the dream, and we'll tell you the interpretation. He said, no, because if you don't tell me the dream, you can't tell me the interpretation. And they said, we can't do it. He said, okay, I'll kill every one of you. I mean, that's the kind of person, he's got this anger, this temper. He said, okay, I'll just wipe out every one of you. And he rounded up a guard and said, go out and put all together all the wise men. We're going to kill them all. So what do you think he's going to do here? What do you think? Look what it says in verse 19. The Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath. And his facial expression was altered toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He, he answered by giving orders to heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. This was his, his response. It's anger. That's what he's known for. He says, let's just kill them. The best we can tell is the, the fiery furnace looks something like this. This is a place that they looked in. Most likely, that they had some way to, to, like a ladder or something on the other side, that they were going to take these men up and throw them down in the furnace, and Nebuchadnezzar would be able to look in to see what goes on. So they said, we're going to heat the fiery furnace. Uh, it says uh, seven times hotter than normal. It just means they're going to heat it as hot as they can heat it. And so look at verse 20. He commanded certain valiant warriors who were with him in the army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in order to cast them in the furnace of blazing fire. He didn't just pick out a couple of soldiers. He picked out his most valiant soldiers. And we're going to throw them in the fire. So in verse 21, then these men were tied up in their trousers, their coats, their caps, their other clothes, and they were cast in the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. They were cast into the fire. Now, in those days, a lot of times when they killed people, they took their clothes off. But this is so fast. This is so fast. He says, we're not even going to take time to take your clothes off. We're going to tie you up in your clothes, and we're going to throw you in. And that's what they did. It was amazing. But look what happened. Verse 22. For this reason, because the king's command was urgent, and the furnace had been made extremely hot, the flame of the fire slew the men who carried up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, think about that. His best soldiers, as they were throwing in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the flame and the fire was so hot, it killed all of them. And you could look at this. He lost his best men because of his haste and his anger. And that's the kind of man he is. We're going to see it. In fact, when you get to chapter 4, and chapter 4 will be the last time you see Nebuchadnezzar, I want you to look at it because chapter 4 is Nebuchadnezzar telling you what he thinks about God. And I want us to look at it when we look at this chapter in a couple of weeks or next couple of weeks and see what do you think? Do you think Nebuchadnezzar became a believer? Do you think he believed in the true God of Israel and the Messiah? Or what did he believe? Well, just look at it right here. He's so angry at these three men because they won't bow down to him that he throws them in the fiery furnace and the furnace was so hot that it killed the people that threw him in. He's lost his best man. Verse 23, but these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell into the midst of the furnace of the blazing fire still tied up. Now, if you thought about it, they got the men, they took them up to the top, and they throw them in, and the people throwing them in die. What happened to the ones that fell in? What happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Well, we're going to see this. We're going to see God's deliverance. And watch what happens. Now, you can see Nebuchadnezzar, he's going to go to the side so he can look in. And what he wants to do is have the pleasure of watching these men just burned of crisp. That's what he wants to do. Notice verse 24. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded and stood up in haste. He said to his high officials, Was it not three men we cast bound into the midst of the fire? And they replied to the king, Certainly. O king, he said, listen, he goes and he looks and he says, wasn't it three people? Wasn't it three people we threw in there? And they said, yes, certainly, O king. And then he says this, I see four. I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. He said, I see see four people walking around and they're loose. They're not tied up. They're walking around, and one is like a son of the gods. Some of the Bible's translated, uh, some, some one is like the son of God. That's not what it actually says. To go back to the original language, it's sons of the gods, or one like a son of the gods. He looks in there. What does he see? He sees three, but, but one is different. Uh, it's three men, and then there's, there's a fourth one in there, and that fourth one looks different. And he says it looks like a son of the gods. I mean, he may have said later on an angel. So it looks like something or someone. Now, what does, what does he see? Well, he sees four instead of three. He sees them loosed instead of bound. He sees them walking around instead of lying down. He sees no harm instead of them burning up. And he sees one like a son of the gods or maybe an angel or something. Who is that in there with them? Well, who do you think it is? My first thought was, who Who do you think it is? You think it's Jesus in his pre-incarnate state? It's possible. It's possible that God sent an angel. Let me just say it that way. It's it's possible that God sent an angel to protect them while they're in there. It's also possible that Jesus, before we call this his pre-incarnate state, because at a point in time in history, Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven and actually took on flesh and became a human being. But there are times that he appears in the Old Testament before his, what we call, incarnation. These are called Christophanies or theophany. Christophany means an appearance of Christ. Theophany means an appearance of God. This could be an appearance of Jesus Christ before he ever became a human being, and he, he's there with them. Now, whether it's an angel or whether it's him, uh, Jesus himself, uh, there's no way to know But one thing for sure, God is there as the provider and the protector. And one thing for us, he is always with us. It is amazing that this is beyond what anyone could imagine. He can do anything. He he, he is protecting them and saving them. Well, look what happens. Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the furnace of blazing fire. And he responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, come out. You servants of the Most High God and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the midst of the fire. You notice he didn't say, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and that other one come out. He didn't say that. He just called for the three to come out. He calls them, notice, servants of the Most High God now let me say something when he says most high God that doesn't necessarily mean that he believes there's only one God and that this God is the God of the world and is the savior of the world and all these kind of things he's just saying this God is really really big because he can protect these men in that fire so he goes to the edge and he's calling for them to come out notice what he says Then Nebuchadnezzar, verse 26 again. He came to the door of the furnace of the blazing fire. He responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, you servants of the Most High God, and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And what we see is that God is a God who delivers. He delivers. Think about it. God is a God who delivers. He delivered these men. There are times throughout the Bible we see that God intervened and delivered. Do you realize that God has delivered us? He's delivered us from sin. We're dead in sin. we all sin and come short of the glory of God. And Jesus Christ came and paid the penalty, and we've been redeemed from sin. We've been delivered from the power of sin and death. We have victory. Well, look what happened when they came out. This, verse 27, the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's, uh, the king's high officials gathered around and saw in regard to these men that the fire had no effect on their bodies of these men, nor was the hair of their heads singed, nor was their trousers damaged, nor even the smell of fire even upon them. But the fire had no effect. The hair was not singed, the clothes not damaged, there was no smell of fire. You know, people say, well, what was burned that day? You ever thought about what was burned? Well, Nebuchadnezzar's anger was burned and the, the soldiers that threw him in got burned and the things that wrapped him up and tied him up got burned, but the three guys didn't get burned. The fire had no effect on them. Let me ask you something. Have you ever thought about if you were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and they took you up to the edge of that and you know that it's going to be so hot you can't stand it and it's going to, you got, basically as soon as they, you, they throw you in, you're going to die. That's what you think. And then you fall in. And you land probably on a pile of a bunch of big old burning ashes, and you get up and you go, that's not even hurt at all. (laughs) I think I'm okay. You okay? You okay? Yeah. And then there he is, right there with you. What do you think they thought? I mean, this isn't a story. This actually happened. This is true. This is the word of God. Three men were thrown in fire, and it didn't even hurt them. And when when Nebuchadnezzar said, "You guys come out," they go, well, "Okay, we we'll are come out. We're coming out." And you can see them gathering around and going, the, "Their hair is fine. Their clothes are fine. We, they don't even smell like they've been in a fire. They don't smell like anything." Can our God do beyond what we could ask or imagine in our lives every day? We got to trust Him. There's no telling what he's going to do. There's no telling how he's going to work events according to the counsel of his will to protect us and to take care of us. He will never leave us or forsake us. So look at Nebuchadnezzar's response to this, verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel, that's what he calls them here, his angel and delivered his servants who put their trust in him, violating the king's command, yielded up their bodies, so as not to serve or worship any god except their own god. He says, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because they trusted him. And I I put it this way, He, he, he says, God delivers The ones who trusted in him because they would not serve or worship any other God. That's what he says. God delivered the ones who trusted in him because they would not serve or worship any other God. God is the deliverer. He delivered us from sin. He delivers us from death. He delivers us from enemies. That's what, I mean, think of the Psalms and David writes, Oh Lord, deliver me from these enemies and he does it. God is all-powerful and nothing can stop him. With the ones who trusted in him, it's called faith. It's taking God at his word. And then last but not least, they would not serve or worship any other God. There is only one God. Let me, let me say something to you. We live in a world that's pluralistic. And everybody wants to say, everybody's got their own way. And you people believe one thing, and we people believe another thing, and these people believe another thing, and we're all right which is, first of all, wrong. There's only one right way. And there's only one way to God, and that is Jesus Christ. There's only one God and only one way to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. There is only one way of salvation. It is through Jesus Christ, and it is by faith. Now, I don't think Nebuchadnezzar understands that yet. He might in chapter 4. We'll see when we get there. But he says, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel to deliver them. And then he says this, therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or tongue that speaks anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses are reduced to a rubbish heap insomuch as there is no other God who is able to deliver this way. He says, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego not only is a revealing God, He's a delivering God, and so we don't want to make him mad. So I don't want anybody saying anything bad about this God. That doesn't mean he believes he's the only God. Now, let me tell you something. When you look at this passage, and you know the book of Daniel always talks about the future. Do you realize that a pagan king tried to kill three men because they refuse to worship him. There's going to come a time in the future, in the time which we call the tribulation, in which a king of the world, a pagan king, who we call him the Antichrist, he is called in the Bible the beast, he is going to come to power and claim to be God, and he is going to say that anyone who does not worship me will be killed, and you must get the sign 666 here or here. This is a foreshadow of a pagan king wanting to kill believers because they don't worship him. There will come a time when there will be people who are believers during the tribulation, and they will be killed because they refuse to worship a pagan king. This is a foreshadow. So, look how it ends. Verse 30, then the king called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prosper in the province of Babylon. Wow, what a story. Nebuchadnezzar wanted everybody to worship. Everybody came to bow down, but the Jews wouldn't bow down. The soldiers got them. They threw them in the fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar saw four in there. One of them was like a son of the gods. And Nebuchadnezzar came out. And when they came out, they said, oh, my gracious, God is a God. Your God is a God who delivers. So let me give you some applications. First is, uh, that's what he said, God is application. Let's trust God in the circumstances of our life. Think about it. Let's trust God in the circumstances of our lives. Trust him when we don't know how things are going to turn out. Now, let me tell you, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I think if you would have asked them, do you think that you're going to be protected when you're thrown in the fiery furnace? I think they would have said, if God wanted to, he will, but we're not really expecting that we got to trust Him even when we don't know how it's going to turn out in the events of life. There's a great truth is that He is always with us. Hebrews 13, 4, He'll never leave us or forsake us. He is always with us. He will do beyond what we could ask or imagine. Just imagine that. He's going to be there in the fires of life, as that song said. It's a great song. And He will never give us more than we can handle. First Corinthians 10, 13. We need to decide What we're going to do, we got to trust him. And and listen to this, let's not compromise our life or lifestyles. We have to decide, are you willing to stand for Christ? We have to decide before the things come. And listen, this is the most important one. You can't be ready to throw in the fire and then decide whether you're going to stand for Christ or not. you got to decide long before that. Because when we walk out these doors, you're going into a pagan culture. It's getting worse every day. And there are people in this culture, and we, uh, people, we love people. We hate the culture. We love the people. But, but there is a culture that wants you to go contrary to the Bible all the time. You've got to decide if you're going to stand or not. You've got to obey God rather than men. And let me tell you something. We talked about this over and over. If you are not consciously being transformed by the Word of God, you will unconsciously be conformed to this world. If you're not consciously being transformed by God's word, putting it in your brain, living it out, you will unconsciously be conformed to this fallen world. So we got to not compromise our lives or our lifestyle. Last but not least, have have we trusted God to deliver us? And I put two things just for you to think about. From sin's penalty... I hope everyone in this room have trusted God to deliver us from the penalty of sin. Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. And when you believe in Jesus Christ, you were delivered from the penalty of sin. That's salvation. That's eternal life. But for those of us who know Christ as Savior, what about the power of sin? The power of sin in our life is the flesh. And it pulls us every day, and we can have victory. He can give us victory in the Christian life through the power of the Holy Spirit. So... Let's trust him, not only deliver us from the penalty of sin, but from the power of sin as well. May we trust God, who is great, who is able to do beyond what we could ask or imagine. May we live for him, knowing that he's going to take care of us one way or the other.